right. So in case you cannot tell yet, we're doing Psalm 19 today. Uh, we have been doing a series the past really two, two months titled uh, Together We Believe, and that finished up last Sunday. And those were really doctrinal in nature, and those are never really fun, but it's kind of like vegetables. We, we have to eat them uh, because we'll die if we do not. Um, but that it's important for us to know what we believe and why we believe it. So today, we're looking at Psalm 19, the works and words of God. So, if you have a listening guide, there's one in your bulletin. If you do not, I'm going to ask some friends of mine, Ethan and Cole, if they will help pass those out to someone that maybe does not have a little green piece of paper, if you want one. Uh, Some people um, do not like taking notes. I'm like that. I cannot focus if I take notes. Anyone ever uh, sat through a college class or uh, teachers teaching and trying to take notes, and then after the class is over, you're like, what did the teacher just talk about? That's me, okay? I can't think about more than one thing. So, the works and words of God, Psalm 19. As you turn to Psalm chapter 19, I want to uh, just embarrass a, a friend of mine. Blair Brantley is over here. Wave your hand, Blair. Blair is a snowbird from Jackson, Mississippi, and his sweet family, his wife, and his three daughters, all below the age of seven. Blair and I grew up playing baseball together, and so if you want to hear how bad of a baseball player I was, you can talk to Blair. He was really good, though, so we're glad you guys are here. Psalm chapter 19. If you guys see me do this, it's because someone just told me there's a tornado and we need to get down. Okay, but we're going to wait to the last minute because we drove all the way here in the rain, right? I'll intro the sermon like this. There were two brothers and they were terrible troublemakers. Okay, they're always breaking things and stealing things and lying and making all kinds of trouble, especially at church. The parents tried everything. Sent them to counseling, tried to discipline them in every way they knew how. And finally, after all their options were up, they asked the pastor if he could help. He says, well, I will talk with the boys, but only one at a time. So the parents drop off the youngest son and go home, promising to return to get him soon. The boy sits across from the pastor's desk, and they just look at each other. The pastor says, where is God? boy just sits there and doesn't answer. The pastor says, I want to help you, but you need to answer the question. Where is God? Little boy shifts in his seat. Still no answer. Finally, the pastor speaks a little louder. Where is God? To the pastor's surprise, the little boy jumps up out of his chair and runs out of his office. In fact, he runs all the way home. Runs up the stairs shuts the door and pants, tells his brother, we're in big trouble. God is missing, and they think we did it. You may have heard that story before. The question is, where is God? Anybody ever have a week where you're thinking, Lord, where are you? I need some help, okay? Lord, I need a rescue. I need you to sustain me. Anybody? Anybody? Where is the Lord? Where is God? Well, good news for you. The Lord is exactly where He's always been. That's on the throne. 
but he's also everywhere. And if you're a believer this morning, the Lord God is with you. Not only is he with you, he goes before you, he's behind you, he's underneath you, he's above you, but he lives inside of you. He is the hope of glory residing inside of the New Testament believer. So Psalm 19, we just looked at the really the entire psalm. So we're going to start in the first few verses and go all the way through, okay? To start out, God reveals himself through his works. God reveals himself through his works. So you say, where is God? Look around. How did we get here? Anyone see the sky this past week? Wasn't it awesome? Uh, the Lord, if you just look around, you can see his works. He has revealed himself through his works. Look at, uh, well, before we get started, verse 1. Every day the heavens declare the glory of God. Look at verse 1 and 2. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. So every day the heavens declare the glory of God. Did you know that Hubble Space Telescope is constantly sends us back new pictures, new galaxies, new things as it uh, takes pictures further and further out? We're amazed more and more by what we see. Next, we see that creation joyfully proclaims the goodness of the Lord to all people. Look at verse 3. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. So there's the sky, there's the heavens, there's nature. Men, do you ever go fishing and the sky starts talking to you? No. If that happened, that would be really strange and you need to go to the hospital. But without even saying a word, the sky is proclaiming and bragging on the Creator. Creation joyfully proclaims the goodness of the Lord to all people. The sun, David's writing this psalm and he, he mentions that the sun, the sky is really a tent for the sun. And when it comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, it's like a, a groom ready to get married. He's dressed up. He's sure. He's confident. Like a strong man runs his course with joy. Like an athlete in his prime. It's rising from the end of the heavens and it's circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Nothing's hidden from its heat. Even the penguins in Antarctica get some sun. Did you know there's no penguins at the North Pole? Don't ask why I know that. Probably children's shows I have to watch on the kiddos. But there's no polar bears in Antarctica. Did y'all know that? You're awake? You okay? You think that's coincidence? No, the penguins are really smart. Next, we see that God reveals himself through his words. Let's read verses 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. 
The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Next we see that God reveals himself through his words. The word of God restores the soul. So not only do the works of God, we have evidence, right? We, we have proof of how powerful the Lord is through nature. But then we see David takes us to God's word. God reveals himself through his word. If you ever think, well, how come the Lord did not tell me what I needed to know? Friend, he did. He already has spoken. God has spoken through his word. He speaks through his word and he will speak in the future through his word. The word of God, it restores the soul. Many of us wonder why we're not restored, why we're we're not whole. It's because maybe we're not in the word like we should be. The word is Gatorade for the soul. So if your soul is not tired, so it, it implies that if you're serving the Lord, then you're, you're, you're going to be exhausted. You're going to be tired. Your, your soul is going to be weary. Otherwise, it would not need to be restored. Next, we see the Word of God is reliable. Look at verse 7. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Now, there's not much you can put your trust in these days. Amen. You can't put your trust in people. They'll let you down. You can't put your trust in your family. They'll let you down. You can't put your trust in the government. They certainly will let you down. And you sure, uh, for sure better not put your trust in your college football team. They'll let you down. But you can trust in God's Word. Always. No matter the circumstance. No matter when other people don't understand your situation. No matter what, we can trust His Word. It's reliable. It's sure. Makes wise the simple. Next we see that the Word of God is right. Look at verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right. God's Word is true. Nothing can change it. You know, no one has ever argued with the Word of God and won. Ever. Nobody has ever argued with the Word of God and won that argument. It's right. You can come to it with any presupposition that you want. You can come, up, you can come to God's Word with any thought in your head or attitude of your heart. But at the end of the day, God's Word is right. It cannot be changed. It cannot be altered. The Word of God brings rejoicing. Look at verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, and they rejoice, rejoicing the heart. The happiest people on the planet are those that are closest to the Lord and that spend their days serving Him. At least the ones that I've met that have a peace, that are happy, that are always joking around, that just seem to have this trust might not be happiness all the, all the time, but it's they have a joy. And they seem to have a lot of fun. 
the Word of God, it brings rejoicing. It causes you to smile when there really isn't many other reasons to smile. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe your daughter has run far from God. Maybe your parent just went to be with the Lord. Even on those days, the Word of God can bring rejoicing to your life. Next we see in verse 8, the Word of God is righteous. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Commandment of the Lord is pure. It's righteous. It's holy. It doesn't care who you are, where you're from. God's word is righteous. Not much left is left in our world today that is pure. And what a privilege that we have. We have the pure. Word of God, holy. We need to treasure it. We need to esteem it. We need to lift it high in our families. We need to lift it high at work. Maybe not physically, but we need to reference it. We need to, God gives us opportunity to put a nugget of God's Word in someone's mind and heart. Men of God in the house, if you don't talk to your children about the Word, by the way, it's your responsibility to teach your children how to love the Lord with all their heart. Thankfully, we got a lot of moms, and we have a lot of dads in our church, especially raising their children to fear and love the Lord. We need to esteem the Word other times than besides just the dinner table. That's good, too. It's a great time to do it. But, man, be careful when you pray at the dinner table, because if you pray too long and the food gets hot, they can start a fight. I've seen that happen with my in-laws. Seriously, at Christmas, it was embarrassing. It's like the first year me and Allison got married. My father-in-law started praying for like every people group in the Middle East. Man, my mother-in-law, she was so upset. I said, this is going to be a problem. So when they call on me to pray, I mean, it's like three seconds. You know what I'm saying? All right, sorry to distract us. The Word of God reveals things. Look at verse 8. After it says the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Enlightening. You see, before Buddha existed, which I don't think he ever specifically existed, but the Lord has been enlightening people through His Word for centuries. It reveals things, things that are unseen. God's Word is a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. And it will shine in the light, maybe in the darkest corner of your life. The Word of God can shine there. And sometimes those places in our heart that's dark that we don't want anybody to know about, before we can be healed, we have to be honest with ourselves. And when we, when we get into the Word, it helps shine light on those things that we don't want to talk about, that no one else is going to press on but the Lord because He loves you and because He wants to make you holy and because He wants to prepare you for eternity. He's coming for it because He loves you. He doesn't want there to be any bitterness in our heart, nor does He want any heart to be broken. He binds up the brokenhearted. 
Next we see the word of God reveres the Lord. Look at verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Do you fear the Lord this morning? Not like a fear that God's going to strike you down, but do you fear the Lord? Do you respect Him? He's holy. He knows everything. He is God. Do you fear the Lord? To fear the Lord is to hate evil. The Word of God reveres the Lord. A lot of us fear a lot of things except for God. Especially during the Halloween season. I just believe the Lord doesn't want us to be afraid of anything except for God. Next we see that God's revelation demands a response. Look at verse 10. More to be desired today than gold, even much fine gold. So God's revelation demands a response. And the word is sweet to those who are redeemed. More to be desired today than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. The word of God is sweet. It's better than Milton Hershey's chocolate with almonds. It's sweet. It's good. David uses gold, but today we would basically compare that to unlimited credit card or you know today you don't even get to see the money that we have or that you owe you don't even get to touch it or see it it's just out there somewhere in cyberspace but the word of god is better than anything that this world can give us sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb Next we see that the word brings great reward to those who obey it. Look at verse 11. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. You watch TV, preachers, they'll tell you, hey, follow God. If you have enough faith, everything's going to be okay in your life. Give enough money, send it to this address, and everything will be okay. You won't be sick if you have enough faith. You won't have a hard life if you have enough faith. Friend, that's baloney. That's a bunch of malarkey. Don't buy it. But at the end of the day, the word does bring great reward to those who are obedient. It warns us when we're going to go off path. And the end of verse 11 says, In keeping God's commandment, there is great reward. It doesn't mean that life may not be hard. It does not mean that you won't ever have money or that you will never suffer. In fact, following Jesus certainly may cause you to lose everything. But there's great blessing if you obey God's word either now or later. The blessing is coming. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. It's way better than any house you could have in the bay. He's going to prepare a place. It's a lot better than the United States of America or any tropical island. It is paradise. There's great reward in doing it God's way. Amen? You do it God's way, it might not be easy. There will be great suffering, but there is great reward. 
Right now, think of one thing in your life. That because you were obedient to the Lord, something good happened. Maybe think about your spouse, your children. Or because you laid down your life for your wife and you served her one day, she gave you a Hershey's chocolate bar with almonds. There's great reward in following the Lord. Next we see that the word helps restrain against presumptuous sins. Verse 13. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. The word warns us, and if we spend time in the word, it helps restrain us from going down a road that on our own flesh and our own strength and our own intellect, we would certainly go down. But the Lord loves you and he doesn't want us to go down a road that's going to hurt and harm our life. He doesn't tell us don't go down the road because he wants us to not have any fun. He says, don't go down that road because I don't want you to be destroyed. Sin will grab you around the throat, choke you, kill you. Sin will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. What is a presumptuous sin? It's premeditated. It's you know ahead of time that you're going to do it. Those are the worst kinds because it shows that your heart doesn't fear the Lord. It shows that we're really running far from God. And it's very possible for a believer to do this. David, when he saw Bathsheba, it was premeditated. He planned the whole thing. Planning on not paying all of your taxes, that's premeditated. Deciding ahead of time to be mean to somebody. Planning ahead of time on drinking too much. Planning ahead of time to go watch filth. So the Word does not keep us from sin, but the Holy Spirit always gives us a way out. The Word helps us take every thought and action captive. It warns us. It discerns what is right and what is wrong. It discerns what is good, what is holy. Next we see that the Word produces, lastly, reverential awe. In the heart. Look at verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Reverential awe, respectful fear. That's what our worship should be like when we sing to the Lord. We sing to the Lord, He is worthy. We should revere Him. We should be in awe in our heart. This is total surrender. This is what happens to the believer who feeds honestly on the Word of God. God's Word will do surgery on our heart if we go to the Word hospital. It does. And sometimes it hurts, it's painful. 
Anyone ever thought, now why in the world did I think it was having a quiet time was a good idea? Anybody ever been there before? The Lord loves us so much, He tells us what we don't want to hear. Aren't you glad? There's many people here today, maybe in this first service, that your soul is on life support. And good news for you, you're at the right place. Because the Lord, He's in the house. He's right beside you on your, in, as you sit in that seat right now. And He loves you more than your mom and dad love you. He loves you more than your grandparents loved you. He loves you more than your spouse loves you. He loves you more than you love you. He loves you so much He sent His one and only Son to die for you on the cross. To make a way for you. To purchase you. So if your heart is shattered this morning, come to the cross. Life's about Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. He's the King of all kings and He wants you to be a part of what He's doing around the world. Do you know Jesus this morning? It's so easy to go to church, learn about God. Let's go to church so we can atone for the guilt that's in our life and whatnot. Friend, if you don't have a personal relationship with God, it doesn't matter how much time you go to church. It doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible. We believe at our church here that God's Word does not return void. It speaks. It's alive. It's holy. It's powerful. It's like a hammer. And so as we go into this time of invitation, I want to challenge you. To say, Lord, here is my heart. God, would you shed that light on something that I have not seen? And maybe he did that as we were going through the word. Maybe you'd like to come pray this morning. Maybe pray right where you're sitting today. Maybe your spouse has ripped your heart out. Maybe you don't know what to do next. Friend, come to Christ. Give it all to him. Surrender. He's either Lord of all of it or He's not Lord at all. Let's pray.